episode 88 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about Riverside. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, Adam and I talk about a roll-and-write game set in the far north aboard a riverboat cruise. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Adam and myself talking about Riverside. I'm dreaming of a roll-and-write Christmas. Ooh, that was the best one yet. And appropriate for Riverside, (laughs) which I think is a pretty strong roll-and-write game. It's not literally Christmas. But it is wintry and snowy. It's very wintry, snowy, lots of blues on your sheets and on the cover of the box. The tagline is, be the best tour guide on a river cruise in exotic winterland. So they they all but say North Pole, like... There's no mention of Santa, but it does feel as though perhaps on one of these excursions, maybe you would see him. And there's no, there's no litigation on this. So I don't know why they couldn't have said this. Like they, they were hit for a free reign to do so, but trying to stay impartial and allow you to play it through the whole season because one holiday season encompasses other holidays besides just Christmas and Christmas is really the start of winter. The equinox is, it's right, it's right there. It's really the start of winter. What are our January games going to be but Riverside? It's one to six players. It says best at three to four. I can't imagine really why. There's not a lot of interaction. I think it's as good at one as it probably is at six. The designers are Elif Svensson and Asmund Svensson. The Svensson brothers, perhaps. Right. Or coincidentally named good friends <laughs> and it's made by chili fox games the chili fox logo i will say i would have liked them to do a blue like a cold kind of chili fox mm-hmm. to kind of match with the setting of the game there's sometimes where aeg their logo is their logo colors anywhere else but sometimes on a game they'll kind of make it match the front of the game and the chili fox logo is also on the sheets that you use for this roll and write and it stands out enough. And then for, at least for us, it's not as common of a publisher for us to know, like, why is there this chili on the bottom of the, that takes you out of the setting just the tiniest bit. It would have been nice for them to do a blue one. In Riverside, the ga- the name of the game in the upper right-hand corner is very pale. You can almost yes. not see it. It blends yes. in so well. Like, yes. I think that, that contrast stands out so much. Right, right. So the actual name of the game on the rolling right sheet, you can barely see. These might be the only criticisms we have for Riverside. I think so. So pretty positive review coming here. You are running excursions for a riverboat, trying to fill these different excursion boats with passengers so that you can... Now, you're like crossing off the passengers. It's rolling, right? So you're crossing off their seats, kind of saying that I guess they have uh, come onto these boats. And then you're earning points. Are you? Do you think you're kind of earning money? It, it never says money. No, it helps. So I'm not as theme driven as you are. Mm. And by that, I mean, barely theme driven at all in a Uh game. So (laughs) that I think helps me in this game because I didn't have to make sense of what I was actually doing. It was just cross off the things because that's what you do in a roll and write. That was it for me. It was just circles and X's. There are certainly roll and writes that get deeper and heavier than this one. But I do like that this is digestible, we'll say. And you still do have combos as you, every boat that's on, almost every boat, there's five main colors, white, yellow, brown, 
blue, and pink. Those correspond with colors of dice. And there are seats on those boats that are represented by little circles with smiley faces in them. And there'll be four rows on each one of the boats of varying numbers of seats. And when you complete a row, you get to cross off a ticket at the end of that row. You also get some kind of bonus that you get to put on another boat. Again, thematically, somehow, because you filled one row in on like the brown boat, now you get to fill in two passengers on the pink boat. So while I really like that they had this thematic idea that they is kind of forming around it and it is putting it here in our winter holiday kind of themed games. Logically, it doesn't hold up. Even though you have your roll and write sheet and we are rolling dice to decide to, you know, pick the color dice that you want to fill in on your boat. There's also this shared track at the top where your the main boat is following this dotted line path. So each individual person gets to decide what dock they're going to kind of stray from the main boat with their excursion boat and score the different excursions. And you can score more if you have more people on your boat. But every time you go to an excursion, you have to score more than the previous time. I think of this thematically as after you've gone there and seen the polar bear, if you don't see more polar bears or it's not more exciting, like you're just not going back. The same people don't want to mm. go see the same polar bear. They're going to have to bring their friends or something. You continue doing this uh, until the main boat reaches the end of its if it's tracker. And it's like a separate standee that's going along these uh, tiles that you shuffle and create a track at the top of the or in the center of the table. That means that the game length, you don't really know how long it's going to be. It's determined by the heat is what they call it. And it's just the median of the dice roll. So all of the low numbers of the roll are available to you kind of like free. And any of the higher numbers, either you just, you know, just don't pick those or you have to pay heat in order to use them. There's also a green kind of bonus die that always allows you to, you can always pay for that to make your uh, selection more people than it was just on the pips of the die that you chose. So in that way, if you're rolling high a lot, that boat might just kind of fly down the river and back. You're going to have a low scoring game because you didn't make very many stops and you didn't have as many scoring opportunities. And that's a little different that you can't, you can always compare your score from one game to the next, but it's going to be far more relevant to compare it to the other people that were playing with you than it will be your previous score because the number of stops would have been different. The arrangement of the tiles of where the boat could go on each stop would be different. So in that way, it doesn't like carry over one to the next. But yeah, overall, all of this rolling and writing, you're trying to get the most points and you're will a you'll likely get hundreds of points mm-hmm. in the solo game. They say that if you get over 300 points, you're considered to have won. So this isn't like a. It's not like you're just going to score a few here. The It's very much a game where you're trying to amass points. I think it also does a couple cool things where you could play somewhat linear, just try to check off as many boxes as you can, which is kind of the classic roll and write system, right? Try mm-hmm. to chain as much things, cover as yes. much as you can. Yes. Or you can kind of go all in on a color pretty early to really try to maximize single color benefits. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of neat to see that reach in a roll and write that you don't always get yeah. with other roll and writes. For each of those boats, 
is the front of the boat called a I didn't think ba- boat terminology was going to come in here, but is it called the bow to the stern of the boat? Yeah. I mean, a stern is like when the captain's mad at you. He's real stern. And then you bow to him, so he's happier with you. That's boat etiquette, I believe. That's going to make it harder to describe where things are on the boats on your roll and right sheet. Correct. Yep. So let's pretend like the bow is the front and the stern okay. is the back instead of the Perfect. emotions and interactions between the crew members. In the bow of the boat, there is a bonus that you can unlock, and it kind of extends the limits that are otherwise present in the game. Usually you can only go to a dock that is like three spots away, One boat lets you go to one, uh, go to additional one. You can usually go to one. One boat lets you go to an additional one. One boat lets you go to one that's six spaces away. One lets you add more people onto a boat when you choose a die. It's things like that that kind of, the bow of the boat is sort of breaking the rules of the game in some little specific way that you get to choose when it happens. You can't unlock that until you've gone halfway through your deepest rows on that boat of passengers those are always the bottom two and a few spaces in there's like a pinkish purple kind of circle when you've crossed off the pink purple circle on both of those rows then you unlock the bonus well you don't have to fill them in top to bottom left to right those rows you can start on any row that you want, but you do have to start on the left side. So you can start filling in two separate rows so that you can get the bonus faster and have it available to you even before you fill in the rest of the boat. Continuing towards the stern of the boat, there's all the bonuses for completing the different rows. And for those, you kind of don't want, let's say, your brown boat to get completely filled and then have brown boat bonus customers on a different boat you haven't started because... When you fill that boat, you won't get to use those bonus people. It's going to inevitably kind of happen somewhere because this is not the sort of game where it's unlikely you're going to actually fill all these. You'd have to be rolling so many ones and going so slow to actually be able to do that. You're trying to leave those free customers open on other boats. And maybe you're even trying to plan so that you can change. So you're filling up just enough of every boat. So it's like, as soon as I get this final brown passenger... I'm going to go up to blue. Blue's going to give me pink. Pink's going to give me yellow. I'm king of the excursions. At the end of every row, you have these uh, tickets. This was a little confusing because you don't score those until the end, like the numbers next to them, but you have to have a ticket, the number of tickets you have for a boat multiplied by the number on the excursion is what you write, again, continuing to the stern in one of the three circles there. Those are the different docks that you have to, that you can go to to score. And I think that's the end of your boat. So at the end of the game, you add up all the different docks you visited. They have to be, every time you go to a dock on a given boat, it has to have more points. You add up all of those. Then you add up the actual ticket values of all the tickets you have. So instead of saying, oh, I have four tickets, that's a four. It'll be like seven on two of them and three on two of them or something like that. So it's 20 for that. You score all your boats. And there's a little thing at the bottom that I is not... It's different than everything else. Yeah, there's like a captain's quarter section or something where you can go to these special rainbow colored spaces that have a little bit different rules to it. I would tell you those rules, but I don't remember those rules. So you will have the rules when you play the game. It's something about, it's rainbow because it's really all the boats. And I think it might be the, 
like the tickets you have on all the boats you still have to increase in what you score as you go through those as well there's like two Mm -hmm. options Mm-hmm. really the, i think the best idea is to visit the two at the end twice but depending on how fast your boat's moving you can't even do right. that so yeah. i guess i could i could see me editing out a lot of the more specific rules that i've just mentioned in favor of the summary that there's a set of rules there are a lot of things that are allowing you to basically get around those rules and you're trying to maximize your points and use those kind of are bend the rules bonuses and bend the rules options to mitigate what's on the dice to your utmost advantage. Yes. And so all of the boat talk we've done is standard roll and write. It's just you taking the dice and using those numbers. That whole captain's quarter thing, though, that's a comparative element between you and the other players. So yes. whoever has the highest number gets a... Gets 15 points. 15 points, I've heard. And then whoever (laughs) doesn't get that loses the same amount. Yeah. 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 So it's a pretty big swing on that. So that's kind of interesting as well that it's not completely exclusive from the other players. There is that element. So they put a, there's an arbitrary line. I'm going to say arbitrary, or I guess like a goal that they have for the solo player to say, if you're at this point to say whether or not you get to score that 15 points. And I don't know if they even change the value of those points. And the part of that is that it's your lowest boat. So that's another not totally unique feature, but your lowest boat of all of the other five comes down to add to your rainbow boat total. So if all of your boats are kind of even, ultimately that's not the best because you probably didn't maximize the points on one of them quite enough but that does mean that that rainbow boat's going to be higher because you don't have like one boat that is just like at zero right and 30 points is a lot in that game i mean not in our game i think i could have won that a few times and still not beat you (laughs) uh but in a in other games that could be the deciding factor so it is worth considering yeah 15 is a good amount of points but i i feel like there's 15 is a good amount of points but just from tickets, you can get that just from tickets on a given, I think for a given stop, the maximum you could possibly get would be like on one dock. I think there's maybe a 12. One of the colors has a 12. So yes, 12 60. times four and then five because there's a bonus that lets you add another ticket. So you could score the maximum you could score is 60 in one stop. I'd say that you're feeling healthy and good if you're averaging like 20 or so a stop. Um, yeah. Because it's not too bad to get in the 30s. Uh, it's not too bad to get that at least on a, on a couple boats. But it is a little different every time you play. I think when you see the sheet, there's really not that much going on. But the more you talk about like actually how it all works, you feel like you're just like, Oh, but then, but then also that, and then also that it has that feature of roll in rights and combo ones where everything kind of feeds back into the same circle where like, well, all these things unlock, which you use this thing, but you could use that thing to get this thing to come back here to unlock something else and then follow those same steps kind of around and around. I find that super fulfilling. So I absolutely thought that this was a good game. I played heavier roll and write. So ones that get more complex, have more different elements, more interactivity, like Three Sisters and Hadrian's Wall. And I think that 
this stands sort of uh, sequentially in front of them for me, where it's like, okay, if you played Riverside and you thought that was like interesting and engaging, go ahead and play that a few more times. And then we'll talk about Three Sisters. And then if you think, you know, that was also interesting, engaging, fun. I like that it's getting more complicated. I found the uh, decisions interesting. I would say, you know what? Let me grab Hadrian's Wall for you. Right. And then would you put right before this, like uh, one of the clever games? Like if you really like just rolling dice and putting things in there, because this I think is a a next level of that. You think this is next level? I honestly, I would put the clever games after this. Oh, I'd put them before. Really? Yeah. I think they are harder to understand, but maybe... I I mean, if we're being Mm. fair, I would put Clever 2 before this for sure. I would put maybe Clever 3 after. Like, I mean, if we're really going to go Clever rankings, I was just kind of lumping them together. Right, right, right. Yeah, I think there is a little bit... And now there's four of them, so there is a little bit of space in between those. Yeah, if you're going to put all the Clever games together, I honestly hadn't even considered that. I, I guess that... I guess what's true about the Clever Games is you can play it and execute it. Maybe that's true about this too, though. You can really you can really do a, a pretty bad job of getting those combos to work. Like, I think the Clever Game forces you to get those combos to get going anywhere. And I think in this one, if you're planning where you uh, where your boat ends up and the dice rolls kind of mm-hmm. go in your favor, I don't know that you have to plan and understand that quite as much. It just kind of happens. I would agree with that, but to me that adds, that's why it's actually higher up is because you're managing this spatial board on top of just your one sheet. So for me, it it feels like two things when I'm playing it, where with the Clever Games, I just have these few things I have to do and these dice and it just translates to one action basically every time. And then the ripple effect of that. Right. And the Clever Games, what I think about them in person, I don't know that I'd like playing them because scoring them is difficult i've never played with a person okay yeah playing it playing it in person actually on a sheet this and i i don't even remember it's been so long since i've done it i just remember that being my takeaway like i think i'm gonna play the app because the app's gonna do all of the scoring automatically for me this one is because of how you are progressively filling in the sheet is very easy to score i think that's another thing that can happen with the bigger roll and writes they get a little more difficult regardless all of these are in the same, like, fun gift bag of roll and write excellence, I would say. Like, I would oh, still put... Roll and write gift bag. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine that raffle? Oh. I would pay too much. And I have them, but I would just be so excited. Right. And then I just have to give it to the next bidder. Like, I don't know, I got out of... I just got wound up. Right. Yeah, right. I forgot. Gonna, I forgot what was going go on. apologize to the bank. And here you have this. <laughs> So what makes this game unique? I think we're kind of saying that as we talk about the comparison between other games. I think you make a good point. I do like that there's this something outside the sheet. And maybe while I linked it to Three Sisters, that might be why I linked it to Three Sisters and Hadrian's Wall, because they also have something outside the sheet a little bit that's going on. Three Sisters has this board that's kind of determining actions, so to speak. And Hadrian's Wall has uh, get kind of these bonuses. There's some interactivity a little a little bit in between people as to what's available to you for certain selections. So maybe that a little bit beyond the sheet. Maybe I was thinking of this as this is a good way to start at a little bit beyond the sheet. Because really, like, Welcome to 
doesn't really have anything like that, but it would otherwise feel similar to what's yeah, going Yeah, I put on. Welcome To before the clever ones on this yeah. lineage. Like, you're starting off with Welcome To, ironically, Welcome, and then <laughs> Clever This Sisters. Wall. Right. And you haven't played, I've only played Fleet the Dice game once. It's by the same people that do Three Sisters. And I rem- I can't remember if it has like a separate board. I, I don't think that it does. I think it is just, I think it is just dice. So, and this is released in 2021. I think Three Sisters and Fleet the Dice Game and Hadrian's Wall have also all been in the last five years or so. So I don't know if there are others. That's pretty clever. It's a little older. They keep releasing. It's kind of like they had the spreadsheet and then they tweaked it and they released it again, kind of tweak it and release it again. And it's both definitely different every time and exactly the same every time, which can make learning it a challenge. In that gift basket of fun, let's say, I, I do like all of these games kind of kind of being together. And I would think that if you like one of them, it'd be unlikely for you to not like any of the rest of them. Yeah. And I think not knowing how long the game's going to be is unique to these kind of roll and rights. Usually it's like we are doing yeah. this many turns and then it's over. So that's definitely what might be unique and more interesting. Yes. Um, now, do you think it's easy to learn? Well, that's tough because, again, I think it's easy enough for you and I to learn because we just rattled off all of these other similar games we like to play. So we're just fitting into our brain mm-hmm. and either associating or disassociating it from the ones that we know. Mm-hmm. I think that I don't think it's difficult to learn. If you've not played any Roll and Write, I would not start yeah. with this like we talked about. And I think it's not I would not I would not be a new player game recommendation for me. I think it's a lot of things going on. I think there are better right. uh, stewards to, to gaming than this would be. I'm always on the fence about, like, should the new player easy recommendation be, like, I guess I'm still on the fence. Even though it's made it into kind of our review structure, how easy it is to learn, it's good to know. But I, like, I don't know if it's necessary for an introduction I, uh, in my head, thought that Long Shot the Dice Game wasn't too hard to learn. It comes in a small box, not a super long rule book. Then I was explaining it to people who have played some games, but it's not like their passion or anything. It took a long time to explain because in Long Shot, not unlike this, this thing kind of feeds into that and then filling this out over here sort of unlocks that. And this is why you'd want to do this up here because it would give you this advantage, which then pushes you, you know, gets you more money over here. That said, they did really like and enjoy the game and had a good time, like when you do that more thorough explanation. So I feel like it's not ultimately hard to explain. If I was a solo, if I like didn't do this usually and was trying to learn this on my own, I think, and hadn't played these other games, it might take a few times before you understand like how you need to take advantage of all those things to actually get your score up. And I think Aaron and I played this. I don't think that he loves these kinds of games and sort of understands there's a thing going on here and kind of understands how it works. But I don't think he's as fulfilled by the combo checking back and forth of it. Right. And and if it's not, I mean, it's, that's kind of the whole deal. So I mean, I guess. Yeah, there's not no, like other no things. Yeah, right. there's there's not really anything else to come here for. So if the prospect of rolling die trying to make the most of each opportunity they give you, including 
trying to finesse these bonuses so that you can like get an edge. If that doesn't sound neat, then I can't say uh, I'd recommend this. Kind of jumping around in order, but first I want to say how I feel while playing. Cozy, smart, relaxed, like it feels really engaging, but I don't feel stressed or intimidated about it. It just feels like how can how can I get these how can I get these passengers on these boats? Hundred percent agree, but I'm also a person that will play the clever games like before bed in like a mm. soothing cup of tea way. So yeah, I, I, in the same way, we're like rolling yeah. some dice, checking boxes, right? Having those boxes check other boxes feels very accomplishing. I felt very accomplished when I play these types of games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like a list in general. Yeah, I like checking things off a list. Right, kind of what you're doing. Right, it's like I'm just gonna I just gotta check all these things off this page. It's very soothing. It's like the page is empty. I've checked it. I've scored it. It's done. So yeah, being a being achiever types wanting to get something done every day, mm-hmm. it's hard to not feel as though you achieve something as you're crossing off all these things on a paper. So I feel great. I think we both feel great while playing because it's like hitting the right ticks for just how we want to mentally decompress. That said, I think it's pretty clear we're both recommending this game. Absolutely going to recommend that. Yeah. Um, and who would you recommend it to? So I would recommend it to everyone pretty much with with a caveat that give it give it a multiple play chance. I think if you play through the first time and these aren't your normal types yes. of games, yes. it's going to maybe feel clunky and awkward. Yes. But I think once you go through a whole playthrough, then you'll be like, okay, next time I know, brown boat before the 12 and this and this and this. And you'll start mm-hmm. piecing it together. Mm-hmm. And then your second play will be better. And then I think your third play will be like, I'm living on the river. Get me some <laughs> riverfront property. Yeah, I think the same. I definitely felt that way playing the... That's pretty clever game. Sometimes they're called Ganschon Clever. They're called their like original German name because, and we talked about it. There was an app and we were both playing it and I just did so bad. And I've heard like, I think maybe in the book, it tells you like what the theoretical high score is. And it's good to know. It's good to understand there's something else there to happen. But when you're playing it for the first time, it's like, okay, I don't see how anybody's getting that done. Um, And if you still found the process enjoyable, then certainly worth playing again. If you feel that way and they also didn't find it enjoyable, then that's accurate. There's nothing else for you here. That's that's fair enough to say. Yeah, and again, it is a dice rolling game. So it is possible that, because you don't have access to all the dice, at least not easily, every mm-hmm. uh, round in this. So if the same color die is just not available, like you know, it may skew your gameplay also. So that's why I give it several plays. Right. You may just get an unlucky playthrough for what you're looking for. Right. I think that would definitely be something to remember if you're playing it solo because you don't have anyone else to compare it to. Now, I will also say that if you're playing a multiplayer, there's there's maybe something a little biting about, well, we had all the same dice yep. and they have done so well and then i'm over here and i it i i would love to blame this on something but it would seem as that i can only blame it on my own actions and i have definitely felt that way in the past at this point i've played so many of these games and gone in real deep on a few different ones that like i get there is something about the way that they work that is similar so once you're kind of like deep in it and have a couple plays of a new game, I think that it synthesizes in a really rewarding kind of way. 
Yeah. Someone who get, who gets easily discouraged if there's not like immediately excellent at it. Like if you want it to kind of click or not, if that's the way that you want a gut reaction to it. I don't know if that's going to, if this game is going to give you that unless you've already played more of the same type, but it's light enough too, that if you don't take that too seriously, if you're not too competitive, it's light enough that you can still pass sheets out. Everybody sit around the table, cross off some boats make up little and i'm someone who is more thematic you said it's a sheet i'm crossing things off i'm i'm perfectly fulfilled i don't need to know the the theme but you could you could be talking about like the little excursions you're going on and how no one that you know wants to see this polar bear the whole boat is empty like you could be talking about that kind of thing and having sort of a light time even though the game itself isn't going to force you deeper into the theme yeah that's a good point yeah you could pull out some like lounge chairs like you're on a cruise ship in your living room and play on that right this is this is an option you can laminate the sheets i usually for a roll and write game will laminate the sheets you can get like some uh wet erase markers take it to the riverside oh yeah kick back and play maybe get someone to get on a little boat put up little signs for what the path is gonna be i mean we're bringing a really high production value we're gonna need a river uh a lot of chairs someone who has some sort of uh boat I would go for like a fake polar bear and like, I would like to do it in a tropical setting, but still pretend like you're in the Arctic. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you're gonna have to check uh, local ordinances to make sure you're complying with those. Probably there'll be a permit somewhere in the process. So it'll be a good time. I guess maybe just just get the Riverside box. It would be cheaper and faster. Yeah, Yeah, that's gonna be a lot easier. Thank you so much for listening to episode 88. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Regardless of what or how you choose to celebrate, we hope that however you spend the end of your year, it's filled with warmth, laughter, and board games. The next episode will be either the Game of the Month for December 2022 or a bonus holiday review of another board game. If you're listening to these in reverse, you have 87 more episodes headed your way, the next one being a review of the card game 12 Days of Christmas. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.